Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week, we talk about how loving what is and doing the inquiry has really brought a lot of inner peace in how we can go about our days. And also, Sean shares a lot of stories about how he's been using inquiry at work and in his personal life and how it's kind of changed his approach to be very peaceful. Mm -hmm. Peaceful, loving, and a better communicator. Yeah. Hope you enjoy this show. Week 15, everyone. It's good to be with you all. I'm James Park. I'm Sean Lee. One more week and it's four months. That's crazy. I can't believe we've been doing this for four months. That's a third of a year. (laughs) Where is the time gone? Into quality things like this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) So I'll start. Yes, for me, like we were just chatting right before this and... We usually recap the week or try to discuss did anything happen, anything big or new. And I had nothing. I had nothing to say. I was like, I don't know. It's nothing got worse. Nothing got better. And Sean was like, you said you had a neutral week. That's amazing. That's progress. Yeah, that's progress. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually never thought about that before. I always thought that every week should be up and up. Every day should be up and up. There should be an uptrend. Right. But I guess a trend is a overarching view of what's happening. And as long as overall it goes up, even if there's weeks where it's neutral, that's a very good thing. Yeah. It's all perspective, right? We talk about this a lot. It depends on the the timeline that you're looking at. You're looking at like a week's time. Is it trending up over a week? Is it trending up over your life? I mean, there's one number that keeps going up over your life it's your age. So technically, you're trending up just in the broadest sense. I don't believe that. I'm not aging. <laughs> <laughs> well, the number is ticking up. You can't deny that. Whether you like it or not, it's ticking up. <laughs> That's true. You have one thing trending up for you no matter what, James. That's a good point. Yeah. Speaking of like these very meta jokes, I remember, I don't know why I wrote this in college. It was on my Zanga. I like wrote this like really passionate post on Zanga about how you were a winner the day you were born because you'd won the sperm race, right? It's, it's <laughs> like you beat billions, billions of others. Yeah. Of other sperm. <laughs> and not only that, from recent knowledge or new information, the egg is also very selective. People thought it was like, oh, it's just like the first sperm that gets there. It's like, no, it's like it's the first that gets there to the club, but then like the bouncer still has to let you in. <laughs> oh. And the egg is actually very smart. And very intelligent to be selective as to who to let in to the club. Really? So that egg has a decision on whether or not, even if you were the first guy to get there, mm-hmm. you might not get in. Yeah, you might not mm-hmm. get in. This whole conversation, by the way, came up, not because we, Mink and I, randomly talk about this kind of stuff, but because for the longest time, people were blaming women for the gender of the child, right? It's just like, oh, it's your body. You're the one who's giving birth to it. So it's your fault that it's not the gender that I, whatever, whoever wants, right? Especially in Asian cultures, Chinese cultures. 
I can't speak for any other Asian countries. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't. And then we found out with more knowledge that it's like, oh no, it's like actually the female provides the X chromosome and then the male provides the X and the Y. So depending on quote unquote what we shoot out, right? It's like actually the male decides this, stop blaming the females. And then we just found out more information that the egg is actually selective. So then it's nobody's fault at the end of the day, but it's just this idea that like the egg is very intelligent and doesn't just take like the first sperm that comes in. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. And that's a wrap for this week. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that's something you should know. Done. <laughs> but no, jokes aside, seriously, I wrote this like passion, like I had this blog article about how no matter how defeated you feel, you'd already won this like massive competition. Yeah. You're alive. And you can even go back to, I've heard uh, people talk about how even how we humans came to live are from a species that survived the huge asteroid that hit the world. And I think it was like one in every four species died at that time. Something crazy like that. But yeah, even that, we survived. Yeah, made it this far. Coming back to our original conversation, I think it's, it's amazing. It is progress to have a neutral week. I think that's great. I noticed you got a haircut. I did. My mom cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks good. It's funny. Our mom used to cut our hair when we were younger. Like my dad, my brother, and me. And Yeah, same here. Except I had a bowl cut. That's <laughs> all my mom could give me. All the way into, I think, freshman year of high school. <laughs> this wasn't like elementary school. This was like into freshman year of high school. <laughs> I got to see pictures. Not only do I have to read the Zanga post, we also got to see pictures now. Yeah, yeah. We'll dig it up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, since my mom was here, she offered to cut our hair again. I was like, all right, cool. Just cut it short. Get rid of everything. It's not that short. But yeah, I, I think that was like the highlight of the week. And then I went golfing again. Dude, ate a lot. My mom is a phenomenal cook. So I've been eating a ton. Home-cooked meals. There's nothing like it. I mean, I've never met her, but I mean, James learned some recipes, brought them from his mom and brought them to Thanksgiving dinner, stuffed mushrooms. Actually, no, that was Eric did that. That was Eric. Eric's a cook in the family. He's actually pretty good. I wish I could be the cook, but I am not. Wait, what was the other thing? The dessert? The Oreo Delight? Yeah, the Oreo Delight. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been something that my mom has been making for quite a while. Juicy a hit. <laughs> That's really awesome. How long are they here for? They're here until the end of this week. So it would be about five weeks. Are you going back to Michigan? Yeah, they're going back to Michigan. It's funny, like they spent two years avoiding COVID and they came here. We got COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Sucks. (laughs) Wait, wait, I I totally forgot about that. Everything turned out fine, right? Just mild symptoms. Yeah, so very mild symptoms. My sister-in-law had the worst. She had a pretty high fever for a few days, lost sense of taste, smell. My brother got COVID, then my dad got it. Luckily, my mom and I were negative. I had a slight fever, but I think it was just like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, we're lucky. I think the entire time we were just hold up for maybe three weeks total. One by one, we were just getting it and just got negative results last weekend before we went golfing. Yeah. And it was like the first time we went outside. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So maybe that's also why it's been kind of a neutral week. We're all just recovering. And what's funny is when people get sick, you just kind of give yourself this excuse to not do anything. Mm-hmm. You just like sit on the couch and just kind of relax. And maybe that was it for me. 
maybe a big reason why is just just got to chill, eat food, watch TV, do some writing here and there. You know, when we we're talking about failure last week, a big part of failure comes from having these expectations of yourself, right? Yeah. I didn't write very much last week. I would say maybe an hour a day at the most. And at first it felt kind of wrong, right? But when you think about this is an expectation that you set your for yourself. And when I told myself that it was okay not to write and that I should write just a little bit, all of a sudden things were very different. Things were neutral. Yeah. I think the thing that I beat myself up on is that I wasn't writing enough. I wasn't doing enough. And thinking about this made me feel like I was just a failure every day because I couldn't do what I was expecting myself to do. Yeah. And so the stupid trick of <laughs> setting lower expectations for yourself, which sounds, I think that is like a society thing where when someone says lower your expectations, it's a very, it feels like you're being mediocre. Yeah. It feels like you're being average or not trying to do enough. But maybe that's the right thing sometimes. I think it is the right thing. That's the biggest realization I've had. Obviously, this is our like tenth week. I don't know how many weeks now talking about loving what is, but <laughs> it's. I would say like actively, it's probably my fourth or fifth week practicing on a daily basis the inquiry and the work, right? And that's what I realize. It's when you are at peace. When she says like when you're able to remove these things, these stories that bother you. What it does is actually frees you up to get stuff done or to be productive or to, maybe productive is not the right word, but to advance or progress in whatever it is that you want to do and be at peace with it. I've been like working through this cold start book for like a month now. And historically, I would have beat myself up like, dude, why aren't you working through this faster? Why don't you just blow through and finish it? Well, I'm not because every chapter I find a little nugget, I take it. Then I stop reading and I go think about it. Then I go talk to Servi about it. And we like work on that in the business. And it's like, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Yeah. Why do I have to make up a story and say like, oh, like you're a failure for not finishing this book in X amount of time? It's because we're all trying to just read the next thing. Mm -hmm. I think maybe it's also part of consuming things where we've somehow been trained that we must consume everything at light speed. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, even shows aren't fast enough. We have to listen to podcast. I mean, I listen to podcasts at like 1.2 mm-hmm. X speed, which I love, by the way, in clever.fm. There's that <laughs> 1.2 X setting. Hashtag ad. Yeah. <laughs> 1.5 is a little bit too much. I like the 1.2. I mean, it depends on who's speaking though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I like it for me and you. I think there are other people who I can move it up a little bit, 1.5. Yeah. But yeah, maybe that's why is because we all think that we need to consume things as fast as possible. But you're reading a very dense book and it relates directly to Clever.fm. And there probably is a lot of things that you can reflect on for every chapter. Yeah, that's the other thing. I, I think this book has opened me up to really take things in stride, right? to really look at things at a broader horizon, a broader timeline. I've always believed in that quote that I've quoted before. Bill Gates says people tend to underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years and overestimate what they can accomplish in a year. And then Tony Robbins adapted that as people tend to overestimate what they can accomplish in a day and underestimate what they can accomplish in a year. It's this idea that 
we tend to just see things in very short timelines, which is interesting because that's a paradox because we're trying to live in the present. <laughs> right, yeah. But we tend to not live in the present in the way that we should or could in that we're just like, oh, we need to get all this done today, right? And the reality is you can't and you won't. And so for some odd reason, like everything for me has just stretched out a bit in the past couple of weeks since I've been practicing this book, practicing inquiry, even with my relationships with my parents, like when something bothers me about them or with my brother or with Mink, I don't see it as like they need to change tomorrow or today, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They have an unhealthy eating habit. They have an unhealthy belief, right? It's like, it doesn't have to change. Actually, it doesn't have to change at all, unless today or tomorrow. And it's one of these things that just given me a lot of peace because then I'm just like, oh, things will get better over time as they have in my life. There were definitely ups and downs in my life where I had some you know, very dark moments, just like you, that I didn't know how I was going to get out of it or where I was going to go. But here I am today, I can still tell myself a story that I still don't know where I'm going. I'm still in the, in the hole, right? We're just burning money with Clever. When people ask, oh, are you guys making money yet? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and until we start making money, I could tell myself the story that honestly, I don't feel like we're out of the hole, right? Because yeah. <laughs> we don't have quote unquote a business yet. But I don't choose to tell myself that story. I don't. I don't anymore. And it's been a big change. Even if you do make money, you can still be in the hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plenty of companies. It just won't be enough. Yeah. That's a really good point. But the thing that challenged me a bit this past week was you know, I had started having conversations about the work and inquiry with my parents, with my family, broadly. I think initially I was trying to influence them to get them to read the book or prescribe to it or whatever. I realized like that's completely the wrong approach. I shouldn't want them to change, right? That's not the whole point. The point is for me to find peace within myself. But I was just having a healthy dialogue with them about, oh, why do we communicate the way we do with each other as family, right? Sometimes very critically, very sarcastically, very, in my opinion, very ineffectively. Right, say things that are hurtful that don't actually effectuate change. It doesn't influence anybody to do anything differently. If anything, it causes people to resist and do more of an unhealthy thing. It's kind of like you should stop eating. <laughs> it's like who the hell is going to listen to that? Right? Yeah, you're eating too much. Stuff like that. And my mom posed a good question back to me. I was like, well, does that mean if we don't say anything that? You just forget about it. You just don't care about this person. Because if you care about this person, you're going to say these kinds of things, right? And I was like, it took me like literally two days to think through this, to do the work and think through this conundrum. It's like, if you care, you're going to have opinions. You're going to say things. But where's that delineation of what Byron Katie is saying, of the separation of tasks, of like, oh, this is like your problem. This is God's problem. This is my problem. And then after two days, it clicked for me. I realize it's not that we shouldn't say things or have opinions. The reality is we're going to have opinions. That's not the problem. That was never the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is when we start letting whatever it is, let's say you, you're overeating or you're not exercising enough. And I'm like, hey, James, you should exercise. Hey, James, you should like don't eat as much, right? That's not the problem. The problem is when I internalize your problem as my problem, which is what she says, right? When I let it bother me, and she says that a lot. You do the work and you do the inquiry when something bothers you, when you feel like 
you're being bothered by something or someone or yourself. And I was like, well, what is it about that? Well, when it bothers me, then everything shifts. All of a sudden, your problem becomes my problem. I've made your problem my problem when I let it bother me. And that's when all these problems start because then I'd make it about me. I say, James, you know what? You're not listening to me because you don't respect me. James, you're not like taking my advice because you don't believe what I'm saying. I start telling myself these stories. Maybe not like consciously, but that's really what's going on inside my head, right? And that's why it bothers me because I'm like, you, James, it's become like a you and me like fighting each other now. Yeah. Versus just, I'm giving you an opinion and I'm letting it go sort of thing. And then the vicious cycle, the down spiral that happens from me taking on your problem is I start communicating ineffectively with you. My words and my communication becomes very sharp, potentially, very spiteful. Like, you never listen to me, James. Like, why do you eat so much? You're just going to get fat. You're like getting unhealthy. I like double down on the problem because now I've internalized as my problem. And my communication, I realize, is just completely ineffective. Yeah. How are you going to feel when I say that kind of stuff? Are you going to change? I'm going to eat more. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and that's what happens. That's when I realize, okay, like, all right, what if we took a step back, like she says, and just this is where the work really works. I stop doubling down on the problem. I do the work. I do the inquiry. And I'm just like, all right, yes, James, you should start eating healthier. You should start eating less, right? Because that's just my opinion. But I don't internalize it. What happens? That's what I started paying attention to this past week is like, how am I communicating differently? Hmm. And what I noticed is that I'm communicating with a lot more love. Hmm. That's what's crazy. And not only am I at peace, but when I communicate, I am communicating with love, not with disdain, not with hate, because that's what happens when you internalize other people's problems. Yeah. You communicate with a lot of disdain and hate, and it just, it doesn't, clearly, it's not effective. And so that was kind of a family example of how I've been really paying attention to. Okay, I'm doing the work, right? I'm practicing how to put better statements, as we talked about last week, to the four questions. Mm-hmm. If the statement is good enough, typically I stop at the first question. Is it true? It's like, no, it's not true. It's like, boom, done. Yeah. <laughs> and then from a work perspective, I caught myself doing the same. Like, I think this was like three mornings ago. I woke up and I opened up the Clever app and I looked at the Discover screen and I looked at the Clever Enabled podcast and three of them are not Clever Enabled. And I was just like... What the hell? You know, I had Shana's gonna hear this. I'm glad she's gonna hear this. <laughs> and I was like, I, you know, asked you to do this thing, and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, like yeah. why are these three podcasts here that are not clever enabled in the clever enabled section? And I was feeling annoyed and bothered. And I started like typing something to her in Slack. And I stopped myself. I was like, hold on a second. Is it true that like I don't know. She should know what she's doing. That was like the first question that came to mind. And the first answer was like, yes. And I was like, is it absolutely true that she should know what she's doing? I was like, no, it's not absolutely true. Because I f- did a turnaround. Is it true that I know what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Half the time I don't. Yeah. Right. And then what that opened up was this like whole new perspective. I was like, wait, did I give her clear enough instructions? Or did I set the right expectations? Right. Because This discover screen section compared to some of the other work that we assign our team members, this is more front-facing. This is even more like 
mission critical in some ways because it may be the first or second thing that people see. So it's actually, in terms of importance, it's pretty high up there, right? To make sure we get it right. Yeah. Did I communicate that? No, I didn't. And it's a new feature. Yeah, and it's a new feature. It's very new. I looked back, I was like, did I give her enough instructions about this or clarify the importance? No, I didn't. So it's not her fault. (laughs) (laughs) Then it just changed what I was typing. And again, I was trying to pay attention to how I was changing what I was saying. Went from a very accusatory to like, all right, these are the expectations. Like very unemotional, just like, oh, this is really important. This is customer facing. We need to make sure that this is clear. Versus saying like, why is this fucked up? (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't mean anything. Like that language is just accusatory. Yeah. So yeah, those were the kind of the two examples, one from personal life, one from work, where I've just been starting to pay attention to how inquiry and the work is changing my communication. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah. When I was thinking about when you're saying that when you internalize something as your own problem, a lot of times I think the reason why the language, when you actually end up speaking to the person is more harsh, is because you've had these internal thoughts with like a made up version of what you think they reply. And you've argued with them internally and you just get more angry. And that anger then comes out. Yeah. When you actually talk to that person. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? I'm going to take that even a step further. What if that anger and that disagreement or that argument internally is actually with yourself? Yeah. It's just you because you don't know what they're actually thinking. You have no idea. No, no, no. That's not what I mean. What if like the problem actually isn't with the other person at all? What if it's something that you're upset with about yourself, but you're not willing to face it? Henceforth, we are projecting this problem onto other people. Like what I was saying, it wasn't Shayna that was a problem. It was like, I had a problem with myself not knowing what needs to get done. But instead, I'm projecting and saying like, oh, Shayna, you don't know. Right. You're not doing it right because you don't know what needs to be done. But it's me. I don't actually know what needs to be done, but I don't want to <laughs> hold myself accountable. I don't want to face myself. Yeah, because it's you're playing both sides. Yeah, I find this a lot. Like I said, the example of like expecting your, your partner to come home from work and not be stressed. It's actually like I was, found myself projecting my insecurities or my stress from that day mm-hmm. onto the person and saying like, oh, dude, why are you like this? Versus like, why am I like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why am I bringing this shit home from work? It's almost like because you're trying to play both sides, you're filling the void with what you know, which is just yourself. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's even like somewhere revealing your own problem. Maybe that's what we do. Maybe that's just like a natural thing. I think it always is that case because truly you can only have an argument inside your head with yourself. Right, right. (laughs) Even the role that you're pretending to play of the other person is still you. Yeah. Because you're making that person up. Right. I think TV shows do this a lot, actually, where someone dies and then the main character is having a future conversation with that person and they're just made up. And Mm -hmm. they're having this conversation. At some point, someone will say, like, well, how do you know this? Like, well, you know this because I'm you. Like, oh. And maybe that's all that we're really doing is we're trying to play out these conversations in our head, looking for someone to blame. And by doing that, we're kind of identifying what is it that we're trying to blame other people on and what is the cause of that? It's just us. It's us. But like I said, 
sometimes it's hard to face yourself. That's the biggest challenge. Yeah. It's hard to look at yourself and say like, hey, I need to be more positive when I come home from work. I need to have more clarity on what it is we need to accomplish at work. Yeah. It's hard to face yourself. It feels so much easier to try to fix other people's problems than your own. But I feel like this book has given me the right tools now to stop thinking I can fix other people's problems. And again, just pay more attention to myself, which in a very weird way, even though I just said it's hard, I actually find it much easier because I am within my control. (laughs) I can't change Shana. I can't change my wife. I can't change my parents, but I can change myself. And when I stop trying to fix other people or blame other people for the problem, I actually create a lot of space for me. And it's fucking liberating. Yeah. I have a great sense of agency. That's one of the other things I've been experiencing lately. It's just this amazing sense of agency. Like, you know, when my mom came, like she gave me some opinions about the house. There's a couch behind me, like what furniture we should get and whatnot. Oh, yeah. It was like not homey at all. <laughs> yeah. But why did she give me opinions? Because I fucking asked for it. (laughs) But then like I wasn't willing to listen and accept the judgment. And that was like the first story in the book was this kid who like believed that parents should not judge their kids. And I thought I was like beyond that. I was like, dude, I great relationship with my parents. Like, I don't mind if they judge me at all. And I caught myself. I was like, wait, I'm really bothered by her judging me about what I should do in my house. And I said something that was like really fucked up. And I said, like, mom, this is my house. Yeah. Doesn't sound that rude, but like at the moment, it's kind of like, fuck off. Like, this is my house. It's none of your business. That's how it came out. And I had to do the work because it really bothered me Mm. that I was bothered by her giving me her opinion, (laughs) frankly, that I asked for. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I fucking asked for it. Yeah. I did the work and I went back and apologized to her two days later. I was just like, I'm really sorry, mom. Like, I didn't mean to say that. I realized I had this belief that you shouldn't judge me. And I prescribed to that. And I was like, the reality is you're a parent. You judge. I judge. Everybody judges. But for some odd reason, in this aspect or area of my life, something surfaced from maybe childhood or something. I was like, that I don't want to be judged by you. Mm. <laughs> but I was like, that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm embracing it. I actually appreciate it. Because the problem was really internally within me that I don't want to be judged. I mean, that makes sense. Who wants to be judged? Like, that's not normal. It doesn't feel good unless the judgment is a very positive thing. But I don't know if that's it. So that's so funny, James. I actually had this conversation with my family. I said that. I was like, oh, people don't like to be judged. And my brother was like, wait, but some people like to be judged. I was like, who? He's like, people who compete. I was like, oh, that's a good point. It's a good fucking point. Yeah. <laughs> You only want to be judged if you can win. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. And then he was like, well, like some people seek judgment in terms of like constructive criticism. And I was like, hold on a second. What I meant was not people don't like to be judged. I actually had to correct myself in front of him. I was like, people don't like to be criticized. Nobody likes to be criticized. Yeah, it's not natural to want to hear that. I was trying to put that statement into inquiry. And that's something I haven't gotten through. Yet. I was like, is it absolutely true that people don't like to be criticized? And I was like, I can't know for certain, actually. (laughs) Yeah, maybe some people are okay with that because they've somehow understood that it's always a way for them to get better or a tool they can use to improve themselves. Yeah. Because that's the other hard part is, how can you tell if some criticism is good versus bad? 
some people criticize because they like to criticize, which is like not constructive. But here's the thing. They're going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> it's really up to us. And this is coming back to this conversation I have with my mom. I realized like I was the one who took what she was saying and perceived it as negative, as criticism, as trying to force a hand on me. Like I was the one who was telling my story that my mom is trying to force me to do something. Because as a kid, you always feel like your parents are trying to force you to do something. Right. And I don't like to be forced to do something, but that's not what she was doing. She was giving me her opinion. But I told myself a story that she's trying to force me to do something. What's the reality? Can somebody force you to do anything? Let's just be real. No, you could put a fucking gun to somebody's head and still, like, you can't force them to do anything, right? If they don't want to, that's the thing. Maybe this all comes from when we we're kids first, right? A lot of times we're just being told what to do. Yeah. I mean, I was told to practice piano every single day. Like, I was compelled to. But again, my problem, not her problem. It was all internal. The way I reacted, Mm -hmm. it was all internal. And I was not at peace with myself. As Katie says, like, the third question, can you find a way to live in peace with this statement? Can you find a peaceful reason to keep this thought? Yes, spot on. Can I find a peaceful reason to keep this thought? That my mom that my parents are trying to force me and compel me to do things. No, I cannot. And I let it go. I let it go, James. And then I apologize to her and I'm fucking at peace. (laughs) (laughs) Like they say things now, give their opinion about things. And before I would be very like, I would hold on to it. Like she's trying to force me to do something or compel me to do something. Now I'm just like, I still have an inkling of it because it's only been a week. But like very quickly, I can dissolve it. Just like, no. And then when I'm not in that state that I'm being forced or compelled or reactionary, I start to notice, how am I communicating with her? What is the next thing that I say? And it's like, very loving. <laughs> it's like, thanks, mom. I'll think about it. You know, like, or something <laughs> like that. I'm just making shit up on the spot right now. I don't have an example, but that's how I feel. And it's fucking liberating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess that sums up my week. So yeah, I'm also struggling with right now with like my parents being here too. And hearing you talk about how you're dealing with your parents, I'm beginning to try because you you messaged earlier, you're like, hey, I'm trying to do inquiry with my parents. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how I do that. But the inquiry is it's like a practice. It's almost like a way to hijack your own subconscious thoughts. Yes. Because when we're getting angry. It happens like reactionary. It just happens without us even realizing it. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm seeing with you is that the more you've been practicing inquiry with other parts of your life, the more you've been able to have a thought and then actually question the thought before you react to it. Yeah. And clearly I reacted. Yeah. And maybe that's also practice. And I, I really had to like say, all right, I need to do the work on this. This is really bothering me. And this is the thing that I had to clarify. Like, even though I was saying, like, I'm starting to do the work with my parents, I'm still doing the work on myself because I can only do the work on myself. It's just in relation to my parents. Right, right. In the beginning, I tried to do the work on them. There's ways you can, like, talk to people. Yes, like, you can just have a conversation with people. But I realized as I was trying to do the work on them that I needed to do the work on me first. In relation to them, 
And it's just been magical. I have one more story, actually, now that I think about it. Saturday, my brother like took the car out. We have two cars, but like the Volvo is like the bigger SUV. I wanted to go pick up some furniture that I bought for my mom, like a chair from the mall. And I wanted to take her to the mall because she wanted to go to like this store. And my brother took the, the bigger car to go to Long Beach to go meet up some friends and, and cycle. And he was like, I'll be back around three. I was like, all right, plenty of time to go to the mall afterwards. And then he was like, oh no, I'll be back around 4.30. And then 4.30, I was like, hey, where you at? <laughs> he was like, oh, I'll probably be back closer to like 5.30. I was like, cool, right? And initially, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, dude, I had all these plans, like take my mom to the mall, pick up the stuff. Like I just want to get the shit done. It's like the weekend. Like I don't want to do this shit you know, during the weekday when I have work. Yeah. And I was just like starting to get worked up and annoyed. And within like five minutes, I was just like, hold on a second. You're being bothered. <laughs> do the work. Yeah. And I was like, is it true? Your brother is trying to ruin your day. <laughs> it's like, no. Totally. <laughs> That's what brothers do. <laughs> that was my belief. I was like, he's ruining my day. He's ruining all these like perfect planned things that I have. And then the second thing is like, is it true that my day was perfectly planned? Absolutely fucking not. Because yeah. <laughs> if it was perfectly planned, I would have communicated better with them that I need to do this today. Clearly, it wasn't that urgent. I could do it tomorrow on Sunday. So I didn't tell them like, I really need the car by four or like try to fit your bike into the Tesla, you know, or some shit like that. Right. Clearly, I was like, oh, willy nilly. Hey, yeah, go ahead. Take that car and, you know, I'll see you later. And so I think historically, I would have been like kind of annoyed. And I would have like, when he came home, I would have like, dug at him a little bit sarcastically. Uh-huh. But I wasn't. Like after I just asked those two simple questions, I peacefully came back, sat at my dad's, just, I read for two hours, which was great. I did that instead. Enjoyed myself. He came back and I think he, so I, I need him to move the TV down a little bit. I need his help to move the TV, remount the TV. And I was like, hey, are you tired? And he's like, oh, not really. It's like, need help moving the TV? And I was even thinking about that. I was like, just asking if he was tired, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in his head, he might have been like, oh, like my brother's like wants me to do something in return for being late or something. I don't know. Maybe I was telling myself the story. I was like, oh, dude, don't worry. Just go take a shower and relax, take a nap. Like we can do the TV stuff later. Yeah. But I think historically I've been like, oh, yeah, you need to move this fucking TV with me now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because like you've ruined my day, you know, you ruined my plans. But I was like, dude, you didn't ruin my plan. You didn't ruin my day. I'm glad you enjoy time with your friends and spend, you know, entire afternoon with them. Like, fucking awesome. It was such such a small thing, James. But again, such a small thing that could have ruined my day or ruined my mood and I wouldn't have been able to read. Yeah. I would have just been like pissed off and probably go like, I don't know, go browse YouTube for two hours or something. But I was at peace. Yeah. Because you weren't having that inner argument with yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. So Yeah. That was my week. <laughs> it's a good week. I would say so. It's pretty neutral too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the business side, this is startup struggles. I do have to share on the business side. You know, we've been working on a lot of fundraising efforts, updating the deck, re-updating the deck, and re-re-updating the deck, <laughs> pitch deck. We closed some additional investments. Still have, I think, 150 or 200k to go. But it's pretty cool. I mean, I feel pretty good about everything. Not everything is running on schedule exactly as planned. But then again, I don't think I planned it that exact anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, so well, keep at it. You guys released a new feature. I mean, it's been, what, two, three weeks now? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. 
It's pretty cool. Wait, 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 wait. Did this come out yet? Because we did push a new update that's coming out this week. The discovery feature? Oh yeah, that came out two weeks ago. There's going to be another update where we have the sleep timers coming in. Sweet. Discussion from the timestamp is coming in. Changing Bluetooth speakers coming in. Like being able to select different speakers. Nice. That's not in yet, but it's coming this week. I'm excited. Sleep timer is going to be huge. I don't know why. For some odd reason, like we've had a bunch of people say it and we're just like, dude, the fuck needs a sleep timer? And plus, this is a interactive app. So do we really want to promote sleep timers in an interactive podcast app? And we're just like, yes, it's, it's just a basic feature. It's easy to implement. Just put it in. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people like listening to podcasts as they fall asleep. Yeah. I mean, it will be hard to try to comment at the times I see what you're saying, but it's just another reason to use Clever over anything else. Yeah. All right. All right. Dude, congratulations to both of us having very neutral week 15s. Yes. I guess that's it for this week. Until next week, I'm James Park. And I'm Sean Lee. Thanks for tuning in. 